Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Titletown South Florida, the Miami Herald's high school sports show. I'm Andre Fernandez, the deputy sports editor at the Miami Herald, joined once again by sports writer David Wilson, and this week also by another sp- sports writer, Jordan McPherson, who is a co-host of the show once. Now we got to get him on more often, man. We got to get you now that the Marlins season is over. There's no excuse. We got to get you on this show. No, yeah, no Marlins news happening these days. None at all. No, nothing, Not at all. nothing whatsoever. And you know what? There are playoffs to cover. We got playoffs coming up next week, so we That's need right. all hands on deck here. Absolutely. And then to give you guys an idea of what we have going for you before we get into the part about the playoffs. Speaking of that, we had a couple of uh, big games last week, even though the elite teams weren't really in big matchups, but a couple of good ones crop taken on MacArthur. We'll have some some highlights of that big win for the Lightning, which pretty much solidified their postseason status and have had now has a chance to win the district title as well. Jordan, you watched Plantation pull away from Piper and take home a district title over there. Coach Steve Davis and the Colonels. Had a great second half and behind three touchdowns from Amor Ellis. And since the season is winding down, this was something cool that we wanted to do, too. Since we all play fantasy football, a lot of you out there I know do, you know, obsess over it and that sort of thing. We thought, let's do a combination of what we like to do with that and make a high school. Or, uh, the three of us pick high school fantasy football teams. And that way, and now we're not we're not gambling on this. We're not playing for anything. It was just mainly like a fun way to recognize a lot of the, the top standout athletes that, that have had great performances and great seasons so far this year in both Dade and Broward. So we'll go into that. Guys, how, on that note, how are your fantasy teams doing so far? Oh, well, Andre and I, Andre, you and I are actually co-piloting the one team that I am <laughs> playing, that I am doing this year. And, and it's not going so well. Well, I mean, barring a massive collapse tonight, we're going to be four, we're going to be four and four, which, Keeps us in the middle of the pack. We're in the playoffs. Uh, our guy behind the scenes, Pierre Taylor, is in that league as well. He took it to us a couple weeks ago. But we're 4-4. Four and four. We're at 500. We're, we're on the right track. If we can have a strong finish, we'll be in the playoffs. Yeah, shout out to Pierre Taylor, our, our producer, who uh, kicked our kicked our collective uh, arses a few weeks ago with Patrick Mahomes. But, but yeah, D- David, what about you? How's, how's it going for you? I've got a dynasty league where I've got Derrick Henry and Nick Chubb, so I'm feeling pretty good about my chances in that one. Joe Burrow's my quarterback. I've got a, I've got a, you know, it's it's a top heavy league because all the buyers are always buying and the sellers are always tanking. But when I have those two, I feel like I got a shot to win any game. Yeah, I I know the feeling in those dynasty leagues. I'm in one that that I've been in for about 15 years with a, a former colleague of ours, Manny Navarro. And uh, yeah, let's just say your backfield just I'd take just one of those guys right now if, <laughs> if I could. So but on that note, let's let's uh, let's start right off and let's get to like we mentioned before. Ives Estates Park on Friday night, the crop lightning. They got off to a rough start this year, two and four before they suddenly won three games in a row. And all of a sudden crop is on a roll. And the big win was last week, 20 to 16 over the MacArthur Mustangs. The lightning now. You know, if it wasn't an easy game, but they were able to pull it off. Now they have a chance this season. The MacArthur Mustangs, though, coached by former Dolphins linebacker Kevin Burnett, they came out early and, and, and were running the football pretty well. Here's a clip from Marcus Jackson taking it into the end zone early on. But the Lightning denied them from that point on, and they answered quickly. Here's a quarterback, Jamal Haggins, who scored a couple of touchdowns on the night. Here's one pass that wasn't a score, but it was one of the biggest plays. He hit Frank Valbatine for a, for a quick uh, – got him down to the one-yard line, set up a touchdown by Haggins on the next play. Take a look. Yeah. 
And from then on, it was all the crop running game. Julius Pascal, one of our players of the week nominee nominees this week, had 89 yards on 20 carries, broke loose for a touchdown. Here's another one from earlier on. I think I said Pascal, but that was one of Hagen's scores, actually. Well, Pascal set it up with his running, though. And the victory now puts Crop in a situation where coming in, MacArthur could have clinched it straight up with a win. Now, them, Crop, and South Broward are all tied at the top of the district. Coming into the week, South Broward had the highest power ranking. But now South Broward has to face Miramar. So that could flip things where Crop, who's playing Hialeah this week, a seemingly winnable game, could end up taking the district. It's been a heck of a turnaround for the Lightning. Let's have, let's take a look at what um, and, and listen to what Tom Caporal, their coach, had to say about it. To win tonight, obviously, puts you right back in it. Um, you know, talk about like you were talking a little bit about the resilience of the team after that kind of up and down start that you had. You know, what did it kind of take these last few weeks? What did you see behind the scenes that made you feel like you could do this? Man, you know what? In any team like this, you know. You got to keep coming together. You know, I talk about believing in, believing in each other, believing in the kids, believing in the brotherhood, and do what we do every day: discipline, attitude, and effort. You know what I mean? And then, you know, we just—I oh, love these kids, man. They're tough. They're resilient, just like you said. They're resilient. And you know, we put in too much sweat equity this summer, these last six to eight months, to, to underachieve like we did. And now we're playing good football the way we're supposed to play. We're playing the way. Lightning football, the way I love to play lightning football. You know what I mean? It's outstanding. I love it. Yeah. Um, talk, talk about your running game because, you know, you're able to, to, to really put it away in the second half, you know, just chew away yards and, and keep it. You know. but we started fast early with the pass, and then we went to the run. That's kind of our game plan. We want to open them up, open them up, and then we just want to pound you. We want to ground you. We want to wear you down, okay, and show that we're in better condition than you. That's that weight room, yeah. okay? That's that hill. That's the 120s. We ran 14 of them, 120s the other day. Well, 140s, actually, from freaking track to track. And, and it showed, man. It showed, and these kids gave me everything they had tonight. These coaches gave me everything they had tonight. This community, and um, I'm just really proud of them, and I love them. Yeah, that's that's what it's all about, man. That sweat equity we put in this summer. The, the three turnovers in the first half, you know, how big that was to swing it for you. Hey, man, that was huge. Thank you so much. That was huge. That was huge. You know, those turnovers are momentum changers. When you get that momentum, especially in high school football, that's what it's all about, man. That momentum can totally change the game. Man. Totally change the game. And that's what it did for us, and it was awesome. So guys, I mean, Crop, it's interesting because they've been such an up-and-down team the whole season, hard to predict, but now they seem to be on a roll three in a row. They're going to be in the playoffs. I mean, hard to believe they would probably go very far in that region, but, I mean, maybe a team that can pull off at least an upset in the first round. They've, they've played some tough teams. Yeah, they have. I mean, they, they face Southridge, who we've seen has been a good team this year. Uh, Pace, Braddock, uh, McCart- uh, three, three, uh, three-game win streak so far with – Hollywood Hills, Braddock, MacArthur, offense doing well all three of those games after having to come out of back-to-back losses, especially in that district game against South Broward that put them in the spot where it was must-win last week. Again, momentum's a big thing. If they can go in on a four-game win streak, and first round can always give you some surprises. You never know. Yeah, they're, they're a team that I think is going to make you sweat no matter what, right? They just feel like – I know they – you know, depending obviously it'll depend who they play, but um, they're they're a team that they're just like you said they they're battle tested. They've played a, a good schedule, I think, for a team of their caliber. You know, ultimately the the talent discrepancy will probably come to bear in, in whatever or never you know at, at some point in the playoffs. But um, yeah, I think they're well coached, and I, I think they're a uh, a feisty feisty team is the way I would kind of describe them. And funny you say because uh, Tom Cabral's uh, motto, he called it sweat equity with uh, just the hard work, every uh, the investment that they that those kids have poured in. I mean, uh, I'm on a panel where there's a lot of sweat equity. I could tell people that the, the, the two of you work like crazy. So uh, another team that's doing that right now is Gulliver because they started off with, again. They had a rough one. zero and three start. Obviously, you look at the schedule and you understand why they were zero and three, but they've put it together now five in a row. A little ugly against South Miami early on. It was only 5 nothing, I believe, at the half. But 31 nothing is where they ended up after they broke it open with behind the passing of quarterback Davi Belfort. But then the concern kind of shifted to his well-being because he took a vicious hit on this play that you'll see right here where he, where he threw one of his two touchdown passes to Antoine Mays. <laughs>
and you hate to see that, but but the good news was, and here's, you're going to see a conversation I had with Earl Sims afterwards. You could see that they were pretty concerned. They were going to the hospital right after the game, but he said he had movement in all his extremities, and according to the school, he got out of the hospital pretty quickly, and it seems like he's okay. Not sure if he's going to be able to play right away this next week, but he's all right. Let's look at what Earl Sims, uh, take a listen to what he had to say about the team's turnaround. Coach, so can you talk about, I guess, in the second half, the plays that, especially on the defensive side, you guys made to kind of separate and, and, and put this one away? What do you think about the way they played? Yeah, guys stepped up and made some plays, got off the field. I like the way our defense played, like the way our offense responded. Uh, we even responded on special teams, making some uh, extra points and field goals. So uh, I appreciate the effort. Uh, you know, we kind of felt like we left some points on, in, uh, on the field in the first half, and I appreciate the effort uh, the second half. This, this wing, as you know, you know, locks up the district for you, and now you know it, the focus can start, you know, toward the playoffs. What, what, what's the, the biggest thing you saw today that maybe you need to clean up before you get to that point? Well, we just can't, we can't wait. We cannot take time for granted. We got, we, we can't wait. We gotta, we gotta start fast, play hard, and play fast. We gotta, we, we gotta go full throttle from the get. And um, your quarterback, I know he took a little bit of a hit there. Any word on how he's doing? He no, okay? we're gonna find out now. Please keep him in your prayers. We uh, we I'm, I'm going, I'm going to check on him now. Okay. Well, as I said before, the word was that Belfort was going to be okay, which is a good, which is definitely good news. But um, guys, what do you think, Gulliver? We were talking about Crop as a potential sleeper, but Gulliver at least has, you know, some of the obvious talent with you know with, with a guy like Lamont Green who's tearing it up on the defensive end, Jalen Brown. But the, the, it's going to be hard right from the get-go. It looks like it's projecting right now. It's either going to be Northwestern or Norland probably in that first round. What do you think? Yeah, that's yeah. the problem is that classification is a bloodbath. Um, <laughs> you know, they're really good. They, you know, like I think I mentioned last week, they started the year and ranked in the top 100 in the nation by max preps. Um, I, I think they thought that was a, a little high just because, you know, they have that a couple great seniors, but for the most part, a younger team. Um, yeah, I mean, are they, they a team that – can just based on their talent, probably put a scare in someone also. Sure, but uh, I just think that that classification is really tough for them. I mean, especially, you know, who knows what, what the status of the quarterback is. Yeah, and just to echo David, just 2M is going to be an absolute gauntlet from, from the get-go. I mean, week one matchups in the playoffs are usually very mismatched. But when you look at this one, especially the 3-6 and the 4-5 matchups in, in, district, in 2M Region 4, it's going to be very good games, whether regardless of who they face, whether it's Northwestern or Norland. But again, you have a guy like Jalen Brown, you have a guy like Lamont Green who's getting hot, you have a guy like Daniel Harris at corner, those three seniors trying to make their mark their final season. They're going to do what they can to try to try to make as much of a playoff push as they can. And they have the pieces there, and if they can get through that first game, then we'll see what, what they can do as they try to carry that momentum forward after that. Yeah, depth up front, I think, on both sides and both lines is going to be a factor for sure, whether they win or lose, because, you know, Northwestern is heavy up front, skilled. Same goes for Norland. So those are, those are going to be teams that, that that may have that advantage on that side. But like you said, I mean, if they break a few big plays, maybe the turnover battle, if, they, if it's on their side, they can hang and they'll have a chance maybe to, to pull something off. But now let's let's we, we mentioned a few of the guys that we, we all had our our that were on our radar when we decided to do this uh segment here it's time for our high school fantasy football teams and we're going to start by picking our quarterbacks for uh for this and now just as a caveat here if your name isn't mentioned as one of our three selections it's no knock on you on on any of you because there are a ton of good quarterbacks as david and i have said before on this on this show so far you can throw out some honorable mentions maybe at the end if we've got yeah and i think we and again since this is for fun and for recognition we could definitely do that i mean i I'll give you an example. I went with Ennio Yapur of Norland. And no, not because he played a champagnat. I mean, not everybody says that. <laughs> but because this guy, if he was in the if it was an NFL pick, he runs, he throws, he racks up yards on both sides, enough to win you a game. And he's a touchdown machine on both sides, too. This guy, I mean, he he he's he reminds me of those quarterbacks like like a Patrick Mahomes in the sense that he just like he's a danger on on, on in either facet to just score and score big, could blow up, give you 50 points in a game. And, and just the way he's been playing this year, he's really broken out and become one of the top quarterbacks, only a sophomore. So his future, you know, still bright there. And, and the reason that Norland really has a chance this year. Uh, so, Jordan, tell us a little bit about who, who you picked in this one. Yeah, I mean, like you said, quarterback, it was tough. There were three or four guys who were on my radar. I mean, almost one with Columbus is Alberto Mendoza. Almost went with Kelly Jenkins from Central. 
But then I realized, how could I not go with the guy who literally this past weekend just put himself in the top of the Miami-Dade County record book for career passing yards? So with that, I chose Northwestern's Teron Dickens. I mean, he's missed a couple games this year with an AC joint sprain, but similar to Ennio Yapour, he can throw, he can run. He has 14 touchdown passes against just four interceptions, has five rushing touchdowns over seven games. And when he's been in for Northwestern, the Bulls offense has been humming. You were able to notice the drop-off when he wasn't there those couple weeks. And now that he's back, now that he's healthy, he's gonna he's making Northwestern yet another option in that two M in that two M gauntlet that's gonna be coming out in a couple weeks. Here's one of his many big plays. Take a look. That was in the Booker T. Washington game a couple weeks ago, which was it to now is the biggest win, the most important win that the Bulls have pulled off this season since it got them back right back in the thick of the playoff picture, potentially in a, a, as a top four seed for sure. And David, who'd you get at quarterback? Because I, I think we were crossing counties on this one, right? Yes, uh, I thought about Mendoza. Um, I was a, a, on the short list. Um, thought you know, uh, Keon Jenkins is maybe the best quarterback in South Florida, but splits time a little bit. They've got a really good backup with Dylan Tolick. They're so balanced. Uh, from a fantasy standpoint, though, I went with uh, Cedric Bailey, the junior quarterback, uh, running that Chaminade Madonna machine. And the thing I love about him, uh, 20 oh, – I lost my numbers. 26, 26. touchdowns, only three <laughs> interceptions. Um, I, I love how well he takes care of the ball. He can run it a little bit too. Um and he's got, you know, just on a week and a weekly basis, he has so many good receivers to throw to that, um, it, that there aren't really bad games for a guy like him. Yeah, it's almost not fair though the arsenal he's got. I know. I mean, uh, there's so many weapons, and and, and, if, and really, if if he if they needed him to throw even more, he could easily. It's 26 TDs. He could easily have over 40. Yeah. The way he. Yeah, uh, and they got a good running back too. Um, a, a couple other names though that I wanted to throw out. Um, well, Colin Hurst is another one not having his best season, but. Obviously, right. he's been one of the best quarterbacks in, in the area for the last couple of years. Um, uh, A.J. Hairston from Monarch, a good dual threat guy if you're looking for that running quarterback. Yep. Uh, and another guy, just from a fantasy standpoint, and he's, this is a guy we're going to have to be thinking of when we talk about overall athletes of the year in South Florida. Uh, at the end of the year, Jordan Faison, who plays quarterback for uh, Pinecrest, um, hmm. also committed to Notre Dame for lacrosse, 20 rushing touchdowns, mostly running. They, they run the ball. It looks like kind of like an option type thing, but run for 20 touchdowns, thrown for five. He was our player of the year for lacrosse last year. Wasn't for lacrosse, yeah. Yes, he was. Yep. Yes, he was. Going to Dame, so a great athlete. And and Jordan compiles the results of those. I don't remember. Hairston was nominated for one of our players of the week. I don't know if he ended up winning it or not. Did he? I don't, um, I don't remember. He was in I know there. he was in there. I think it was one of the weeks he and another guy, I think they were neck and neck. I forgot who won, but it was a couple weeks ago he was one of the guys. And another yeah. honorable mention I want to mention just because I saw him last week. Uh, Amir Ellis from Plantation, he, watching him against Piper, he had four touchdowns overall in that game alone, three passing, all of which, three passing, and he's his overall numbers, he's hovering around 2,000 passing yards. Uh, I actually have the rest of the numbers right here. Two seconds. Ellis was one of our players of the week. For this week as well, yeah. As well. Yeah, so. uh, 17 touchdowns, six interceptions, but he also has uh, five rushing touchdowns and 400 rushing yards. Another one of those dual threat guys, and he's really come on strong towards the end of the year as well. Yeah, I mean, again, deep quarterback class for sure. We had, I mean, if we if we if we would never have a problem picking one up on the waiver wire if we if we. Josh Townsend, we didn't mention Josh Townsend. There's another one. Oh we my some god, time. Josh Townsend, he's one of my favorites. Yeah. I, I yeah. know, and it's unbelievable. And and oh, Homestead, yeah. The impact, another, another, another great athlete that can that can you know he gets you with his rushing awesome. yards, yeah, and some rushing yards, all kind of things. But yeah, it would. You'd never be in shortage of quarterbacks, that's for sure. Let's look at those ball carriers now in the backfield. And the running back, I think uh, we decided to pick two for each of us. Uh, and, I mean, I guess maybe I'm biased because I've seen them four times this year already, but Antoine Smith for Booker T. I think the kid's come a long way this year. He's over 1,000 yards. Here's a kid who was a big body running back, got himself into better shape. You know, he's going to get himself into even better shape after Ice Harris puts him on the track this spring. And, and really, that's when you're going to see his full potential kind of blossom. But he's been right back there. I mean, and, and not alone in that backfield. Gerald Modest is there, too. But he's kind of been the, the you know, the workhorse guy back there for them and really made a difference. And another one that kind of slips under the radar, unless you look at his stats, 
Mark Wilder is one of the top running backs in terms of statistics in the entire state. I think he's over 1,600 yards now, which is pretty crazy, and, and really powers that Doral offense. And Doral was looking at potentially being the number two seed behind Columbus in that region. A big reason is Mark Wilder this year and what he's been able to do. But, um, Jordan, you're again, going over to Broward County, you've got a, a pretty great one yourself in your picks. Yeah, my first guy to me was a no-brainer. American Heritage is Mark Fletcher. Ohio State committee, he's been the workhorse for that Patriots offense. 1,232 rushing yards, 12 touchdowns over nine games. That includes having 194 yards and two touchdowns against Shaman Madonna and 162 yards and a touchdown against Cardinal Gibbons. He's just been steady as can be, at least 100 yards in six of his nine games, almost nine yards a carry. He's been actually been one of the more steady running backs that I've seen so far this season as my first guy. And yeah. I think we have a clip then, that we're going to show of one of his highlights from this season. That's not even like a long one. Yeah, but, that's just, <laughs> but, it, but, it, but no, but it just kind of shows you near the goal line. He can, he, he's going to yeah. get you those points. Yeah. Definitely. And then, and then my second guy, uh, give him some love here to the Archbishop Carroll Bulldogs here. Uh, Alejandro Azaza, a senior running back for the District 8-1M champions, 8-1 record overall. Uh, and he's a big reason why. Averaging 10 yards a carry, 1,054 rushing yards, and 17 rushing touchdowns, along with two two touchdown catches as well. Again, breakout breakout guy for a team that's having a breakout season. Why not give, give them some love here? Yeah, Carroll pounds the rock. I mean, they, they they barely throw the football. It's kind of reminds me of the old Belen days when they were barely, you know, they, it was like run, 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 and, and a lot of misdirection, multiple running backs in that in that offense. And we, we, we talked about them last week, George Zagalas getting them back to contender status as well. David, you're going over to Broward County as well. Tell us a little bit about your picks. Yeah, Belen. another two, uh, two guys from teams we don't talk about a lot. Uh, one, Reggie Haywood. Uh, the running back for Calvary Christian, which is a very good eight-win team this year, won their district. Team we have not talked very much about, but um, wanted to give them a shout-out here. 1,500-plus uh, rushing yards, averaging almost 10 yards per carry um, for a really good team and a district champion. Um, other guy I have mentioned, I think we actually talked about him last week or two weeks ago, uh, DeAndre mm-hmm. Desinor from North Broward Prep, only a sophomore, uh, Gonna probably hit a thousand yards on the season this weekend. Um, Thirteen rushing touchdowns. He's also got two kick return touchdowns, a punt return touchdown, and an interception return touchdown. Uh, it's a reason why he's already considered one of the best players <laughs> in uh, the class of 2025. And, and if he does what he did a couple of weeks ago when he set the school record with seven right. touchdowns, Didn't, it'll be his Christian McCaffrey esque uh, effort the other uh, the other day uh, win, wins you a game on his own. There you go. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, but yeah, wide receivers are also in in very very big supply here. I mean, I'm going to go with a guy who uh, Larry Bluestein even on this show said he was the first half MVP just because of his versatility. That's Edwin Joseph from Chaminade. I mean, the kid is so explosive just in that within that core of receivers that are, are probably the best in the country. But he can also do it on the defensive side. I mean, that's that's the interesting part. If we did this kind of a fantasy team, I think you could almost – this is something you can't do. Like on ESPN with NFL, you can't switch your receiver to also play DB. But these guys would be able to if we ever did it this way. And another one that I went with who was going to play wide receiver at, at, at the next level is Brandon Innes. But, again, another guy that can do it both ways if you, if you need him to. We saw him get a huge one on the defensive side in that Cardinal Gibbons victory. Take a look at the clip that we remember from a few weeks ago. Actually, I forgot that was the one in the corner of the end zone, but he also had the INT. I think, right. David, you're the one that filmed that one. But again, a great player on both sides, Ohio State, just loading up and getting another great one there, and along with Mark Fletcher, who we talked about earlier. But Jordan, you have another one of these wide receiver DB types that's been, that's had a great year at Booker T. Washington. Yes, I do. Yeah, my first guy is Xavier Irvin from Booker T. 22 catches, 450 yards, nine touchdowns on offense. He also has two interceptions, three defended passes, a fumble recovery on defense. Again, another all, another well-rounded player. And again, having a very, very strong senior year. And then my second guy is 
Jesse Fields from Monarch, the top the top uh, receiver option for AJ Harrison, who David mentioned is one of our honorable mentions earlier. 873 yards with nine touchdowns. And the game, the thing that stood out for me when I was looking through his his stuff against St. Thomas Aquinas, he had seven catches, 112 yards, and one touchdown. And again, arguably the toughest game that he was going to be going in this year. So to have a solid outing against Aquinas, that was enough for, to steal me for him to be my number two guy. Yeah, he's he's like that Lions receiver you pick up where even though the team is bad, you know he's going to give you a great statistical week. He's that type of player. That, that's impressive though, because coming against St. Thomas, I don't care if it's even St. Thomas's backups. You know that that that's pretty good. And Monarch in position to be one of the top teams in their region, just above uh, Region Four. In, in class four. And David, you're, you're going the Chaminade route. I know that. You know, tell us a little bit about your Yeah, Jeremiah Smith. His numbers aren't quite as good as some of these other guys. Still pretty good, 608 yards and 10 touchdowns, but uh, I think he's the best wide receiver in South Florida. Um, yeah. Every every time you need a, a, a big play, you can throw it up to him and he's going to make it. Um, would put up bigger numbers, obviously, if he wasn't on a team as, as stacked as Chaminade. Um, but and we gotta- he still does it every week. <laughs> We, we've got one of those uh, queued up here. Uh, take a look. And uh, again, shot, and that was against Northwestern which was one of the best uh, victories that they had this season. They just came right. out and just clobbered them on a Saturday afternoon. So legit. And your other um, – going to plantation with, with your other pick. Yeah, Jamari Haynes. I believe we had him second team all Broward last year. Uh, maybe first. He, he was very good for them last year, having another excellent season. 654 yards, seven touchdowns for another uh, – you know, plantation, another good team. Um, one that we don't talk about as much because they're not exactly like a state championship contender. But as we, we've said a couple of times, just consistently one of the best public school prior, programs yeah, in Broward Haynes, County. Yeah, Haynes had a really big game last week against Piper. I believe it was the first touchdown pass. It was touchdown catch 60-some-odd yards from Amir Ellis. Had close to 100 yards in the game. I was very impressed for my first time getting to see, get my eyes on him in person. Yeah, no doubt. And Plantation, like we talked about before, a big one this week. We'll talk about that when we get to our picks segment. Now let's go to the defensive side of the ball. And – I went with a little, uh, uh, you know, I went with a guy who I've watched ever since I was in Tallahassee last year, uh, really grow as a player and really get better. And, you know, a legacy kid because his father was one of the best that's ever come out of Dade County. And that's Lamont Green Jr. I mean, 19 sacks. That's that's him about to take down South Miami's quarterback last or last week and, and pick up his 19th sack of the season, which right now I think it's him and Reuben Bain, I think, are the two that are up at the top of the leaderboard in Dade County. Uh, but but Lamont has really become even more of a playmaker than he was even last season, and and you're starting to really see him flourish into a great player. Uh, you know, David, you've seen Lamont uh, for a couple of years now. Also, I, I, what what have you thought of it? Just his progression, the way he's developed. Yeah, I mean, he's been a guy who's always had. You know, he's been obviously his dad is like you mentioned one of the one of the greats to ever come out of South Florida. Um, committed to Florida State early in his career, always was like pretty highly regarded in the recruiting rankings. Everyone can see the, the physical tools, but this is, uh, you know, he's taken a, a leap this year, right? Where it's it's finally all coming together, and um, you can see why uh, Florida State and, and schools all over the country have been really high on him all along. And speaking of Hurricane Bain, that's your guy, Jordan, in this in this uh, mock draft. Yeah, once you took Green first, I kind of felt like I had to go with Bain as my 1B. And it was, to me, it was 1A and 1B between Green and Bain. I mean, Ruben Bain, 20 tackles for loss, 12 sacks this year. It's just been an absolute beast the last couple seasons for Central and just keep, continues to get better. I know they held him out a little bit earlier this year to before unleashing him, but now that he's there and out in full force, he's close to unstoppable. Yeah, he also had a minor injury right after the IMG yeah. game that kept him. Well, he had, he had a knee surgery in the off season. He, he hurt his knee yeah. in the state championship game last year, so they were kind of like easing him back. But he's yeah. going to be a four time all count, four time first team all county defensive lineman. So that's pretty. Yeah, good. which is which is pretty rare. But and here's a clip of Bain uh, from earlier this season. Actually, the the clutch play that he made against Columbus, which wasn't a sack but a turning point. Oh, 
as we remember, that's the one where it turned into an intentional grounding, forced a field goal miss, and it pretty much clipped uh, Columbus's yeah. comeback right there. So, uh, David, who do you have? I mean, I know and you're going actually to someone we, that doesn't probably doesn't get talked about enough on your pick. Yeah, Gavin Schmarceline, uh from Belen, 14 and a half sacks, 25 TFLs, and 75 total tackles uh, as an edge rusher for the Wolverines. Um, another one of those guys who, like, ever since he was a freshman and, and probably earlier for those who really follow the, the youth football scene, like, knew that this guy was one of the next stars to come out of uh, Dade County, and, and he has been excellent every year for Stimol County last season um, and, and probably headed towards another one this year. Yeah, being highly recruited too, right? I mean, he's got yeah, some a lot offers, of offers. Yep. Yeah. So also, he's, he's yeah. a star. One other guy I wanted to mention who I have not seen this team play in person: uh, Jalen Jackson from Fort Lauderdale, nineteen and a half mm-hmm. sacks this year. Yes, I'm glad Eight you brought numbers. him up. Yeah, definitely. I'm glad you brought him up. He's one of those under the radar types that yeah. that, that came across everybody's board here. <laughs> um, all right, linebackers again. I mean, this could have been you, you name it. There's a ton of guys. I ended up going just to kind of spread it out a little bit. I went with TJ Capers because he, he didn't really really come on strong at the beginning of the year, but this is a kid who's going to be probably the top recruit in Dade County next year or pretty close. Mm-hmm. And and he's had – the reason Columbus has been able to take a leap as the season goes on is because of plays that he's making. Here's one of them that he made recently in the game against Central. <laughs> They really don't make that comeback if it's not for some of the plays that defense made. And he's right at the heart of it. I mean, the sack numbers aren't tremendous this year, but I think the impact is there and he's only going to get better as, as the year goes on. Jordan, you, uh, you're you going to, down south to, to, to find this one. And this is like this is a guy that we've been uh, we've, we've known about him a little bit for a couple of years now, but he's really having a breakout year. Yeah, just like you, I wanted to spread the love a little bit. I went with Eduardo Nunez from Homestead, mostly because he does a little bit of everything. He gets 10 tackles for loss, two sacks, four quarterback hurries, two interceptions, two fumble recoveries, and five forced fumbles. He's doing it. He's making impacts in multiple ways, not just racking up the tackles, lip feasting in the backfield. He's able to do stuff in coverage. He's able to, to, log, to lodge the ball out, and we're able to – See how just see his impact for a homestead team that's continuing to get on the rise and building off of what they off of what of making their playoff push last year. Yeah, definitely. And here's a clip of Nunez. It's a kind of a little bit of an old clip, but it's it's one that shows you the impact he can make in games. So, David, tell, tell us about your pick at linebacker. I, I also could have gone with Stanquan Clark. That was one that I, I – Yeah, I, you had that in there to. earlier, so yeah. Yeah, I, I switched the last minute, but he's another. But since we were going to mention a few, even yeah. if we didn't pick them, yep. Stanquan Clark is another beast right there. But you yeah, have another one that's really – fumble at the end of the of the Columbus game. Uh, I, yeah, exactly. I've got David Vidala from American Heritage. Very uh, good choice. I think going back to – I think his freshman year, he was a freshman All-American, um, according to Max Preps. Um was at St. Thomas for a St. Thomas Aquinas for a year or two back at American Heritage now. Um, and he's got already a hundred plus tackles. Uh, and obviously he's going to keep compiling numbers there. 19 tackles for loss, three sacks, small undersized. You won't see him pop up on like all the recruiting rankings because of that, but he's just a fantastic football player. Yeah. I got to watch him during the game against Western take a pick six, 85 yards and yeah. see that effort from him on top of, just getting 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 tackles every game. Yeah. The effort's always there from, from this case. He's been a, he's been a four-year start or a three-year starter here. He's his freshman year, sophomore year, and this year. Transfer, he was at Aquinas his junior year. But he's when he's on the field, he makes his presence known. Yeah, he's, he's the tackle machine that every fantasy team needs when you need a guy that's going to get you like 10 every week. Count on him to do it for you. Uh, DBs now, as we round up the defensive side of the ball here – Here's an interesting one, not about necessarily about him, but about his school. We hadn't put anybody from Aquinas yet, and that's yeah, saying sure. something. Considering yeah. this is a this is a a titan down here that that, and, and I think the reason is because since we kind of were looking at it kind of in the fantasy football lens, they really they really collectively all kind of do everything in terms of yards. Yeah, they got three tackles, running backs yeah. they use. Yeah, they got cool. like three or four D one receivers. Right. Yeah. There's so, a reason so, that there's yeah. a reason that they are so dominant on the high school football scene that depth is incredible and that's what really is fueling their runs every single year from like you said from the purpose of the exercise we're doing it kind of knock it docks them some points from that front but it also it speaks to what they're able to do with 
just reloading and just cycling guys in and out and having no drop off. Exactly. And Kamari Robinson is the, the pick that I was going with. I mean, not, not a lot of interception numbers, really, but the Duke commit is a stalwart back there. Eight pass breakups. It seems like, you know, lockdown on defense. The receivers can't really get any traction against him barely ever. So he's the one that, just, that I that I thought of just to kind of see if we could put someone in there from St. Thomas. But definitely they have playmakers. I mean, the, the stats may not show it as much, but you look at starting a quarterback, Ezekiel Harris has had a great year. The two running backs, Sands, Jamari Sands and, and Jordan Lyle, they're both splitting carries. So, you know, they're, they, they'd be the kind of guys that you'd pick up a week if someone was on a bye. And then maybe they, you know, they're, they're like those 600, 700 yard backs that you can count on, but explosive. And that depth is going to come in huge come playoff time if they can, if they can make another state title run. Uh, Jordan, tell us about your guy in the secondary. Yeah, I went with Columbus's Amir Foster. I mean, the pure stats, which again, this probably works against me on the fancy side of it, but he only he has a pick six, he has two fumble recoveries, but just what he brings to that defense overall. Entering the season, he was the only guy remaining from Columbus's state championship team a few years back. And he was the one who really helped set the standard early in the season and helped Columbus find its groove early on that, again, that they've carried so far this season. Their only loss has been the central and they rallied. They came back and made that game competitive. And Amir Foster has played a big role in Columbus's success this year as they try to get toward uh, trying to get a title in Class 4M this year. Yeah, no doubt. And um, David, you went uh, with the powerhouse again, who just yeah, keeps on. Yeah, that pick. Uh, Chris Ewald, uh, sophomore cornerback. Uh, he was a freshman All-American last year um, and has been even better now in year two. Four interceptions, uh, nine pass breakups playing opposite Edwin Joseph got to throw somewhere, I guess. So they've been trying to throw on him and he's got a couple of picks out of it. Um, pretty, pretty good problem to have for, uh, for, for Shaman. Too many good DBs. Yeah. I mean, they have, they have too many of everything pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> That's not, not a bad thing. Um, that now we're going to go to special teams a little bit, only in the sense of maybe kick returner types uh, or versatile kind of like all purpose guys, not the special teamers, but all purpose types yeah. that, that are great. I mean, uh, but the, the hardest soul of that Dillard, Dillard team for me is Christopher Johnson for everybody, really. Christopher Johnson, everybody's watched him. He wins games. I mean, every time you cover Dillard, he's pretty much, it doesn't matter who the opponent is, you can make an argument that he's the best player on the field, whether it's, you know, running the ball, catching the ball, returning kicks. He's had a couple times even where penalties have, have uh, denied him of more kickoff returns for touchdowns. Here's a touchdown he scored against St. Thomas, which was the only score they had against St. Thomas a couple of weeks ago. Take a look. Yeah, but Mr. Everything and whoever gets him, I mean, he's going to be tremendous at the next level, I think. Uh, Jordan, you, again, went under the radar a little bit with this one. Yeah, I went under the radar and also just the interesting story from when I was looking through finding guys. I went with a guy, his name is Clayton Cannon II. He's a junior at Stoneman Douglas. Uh, uh, Their main kickoff returner averaging 37.3 yards per kickoff return, has a kickoff return touchdown. Also has four touchdown catches as a receiver and a pick six on defense. But the interesting note for me was, in addition to Clayton Cannon the second, they also have a senior Clayton Cannon Jr., who is their starting running back. So hmm. two Clayton Cannons on the on the Stoneman Douglas team that enters the week at six and three. Two Cannons. Clayton Cannon Jr. got some uh, some consideration for me at running back too. He's he's over twelve hundred yards yeah. this year yeah. for them. Yeah, and the Eagles. Uh, uh, in position to make the playoffs uh, yeah. as of right this week, it would be a, they'd be a five seed in that region as well, and a big reason are the Cannon brothers for sure. David, this is this is your boy. This is the kid you've Robbie seen. Robbie Washington. Bunch of times I've probably year. seen him more than anyone else uh, this right. year. Um, he is uh, obviously everyone knows about the explosiveness from the Miami commit. Uh, great returner and a guy who can turn a slant, a four yard slant, into an eighty yard touchdown. Um, the other thing I like about him the volume. Um, Palmetto has had – they have a sophomore quarterback, first-time starter. They've been, you know, trying to ease him in, make it easy for him. So they throw a lot of screens to him, a lot of slants to him. And, um, you know, he, he he can get you with the volume and with the explosiveness. Um, and I, I think that makes him uh, obviously a great football player, but also a good fantasy football player. Yeah. And we could have shown returns. We could have shown other plays. But here's one I think that you filmed a couple of weeks ago that 
kind of shows it, it. It's just a, a it was not a touchdown, but it shows the explosiveness of how he can turn you know, just a simple screen pass into something. Take a look. Yeah, and then somebody fired up on those sidelines. Let me tell you that and, and, and that one. But uh, uh, but Palmetto, I mean, Palmetto's going to get wherever they're going to get to as far as they're going to get to this year. Only if the if the Washington brothers and and Bobby Washington, of course. Yeah, he could have gotten some consideration as a linebacker. Um, yeah, because he's super productive. Another guy tackles, sacks, TFLs, does does some of everything for them. Yeah, Pro- probably still the best hit I've seen or heard this year was that yeah. preseason game where he just clocked the kid. And then the next week off. he knocked the helmet off a kid. So like he, he, <laughs> oh, he makes highlights. <laughs> there you go. And this in some leagues you pick a coach. So we did. And on uh, this one we're gonna never heard you know, of that. But yeah, no, I played in one once that, that had yeah, that had a coach. How is the, where's the point system? How's that work? It's just wins. It was wins. Basically, okay. it's just wins. Yeah, you got exactly. extra points so, if you win. Gotcha. Right. So you know, in, in those days, if you had Belichick, you were golden because you were going to get 12, 13 wins. You know, he was he was the top coach pick all the time. Now, not so much. But uh, now you'd probably want uh, Sean McDermott. But uh, but Jube Joseph is who I went with. I mean, it's only his first year as the head coach at Central, but. You could see the imprint that he's made on the, on these kids. I mean, they 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 march to his beat. I mean, the discipline level has has grown over there. It shows in the way they play. They haven't been touched this year. They got the only the only scares have been against IMG and Columbus, two of the better teams. And it shows. It shows why in such a packed region, why we're all feeling confident that they are the favorite going into the playoffs right now. Uh, Jordan, not far away from Central, uh, you picked another guy who's a, a veteran. In, in, in Dade County, and, and and we know the history there. Tell us what you got. Yeah, no, I had to go with Ice Harris. I mean, just, I mean, you have the track record that speaks for itself, but when you look at this year specifically, just him coming back and how quickly he got this Booker, he got Booker T to turn around and look like it's almost back to the Booker T of old, and to do it in in his first year back, and to get them to where are they eight and two right now going into the playoffs and to be able to be where they're at. It's, it's remarkable. It's not surprising, but it's impressive to say the least. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, when ice shows up, it's like the, the, the switch flips in overtown and all of a sudden they become a powerhouse again. And, and, and it's amazing to see what, how quickly they've gotten themselves back in the state title picture. Uh, David, another state title contender for you. Yeah, I went with Dave Dunn. Um, shows up in at Columbus in 2019. Um, Columbus had never won a state championship at that point. They win a state championship that year. Next year, they probably would have gone back-to-back. Instead, it's COVID. They just won a tri-county championship. Last year, a little bit of a down year. Uh, this year, they're back to being a state championship favorite. Um, you know, there's a lot of advantages to coaching at Columbus. A passionate fan base, great resources, great facilities, all that kind of stuff. But, uh, you know, he... They, they kind of for, for a team that has uh, as has as many great resources as they do, they kind of like play like the scrappy team, which is what I like about them. You know, their yeah. quarterbacks always, you know, they, they, they grow up, they, they become they mature, they become great as juniors and seniors. Um, yeah, they've obviously got a really good running back this year in Cedric Irvin. Um, but their defense, like we said, they, they lose 10 starters, it feels like every year, and they end up being just fine. So uh, to me, he's as good a coach as there is in, in all of Florida. Yeah, and and a, and a few honorable mentions we could throw in there, guys. I mean, uh, Michael Bailey over at um at Blanche Ely, what a job yeah. they've done to go from one and nine yeah. to eight and zero. Oh. You know, George Zagalis, who we mentioned before at Carroll, turning things around over there. You know, plenty of guys that that have done well this year in turning their respective programs around. Uh, so that that does it for our fantasy football segment. We hope we highlighted a lot of kids. I mean, if we missed anybody, I'm sure we'll try to get to you before the season is over. Um, but we want to remind you, a lot of those kids that we mentioned, like an Amir Ellis, uh, are up for Player of the Week uh, this week. Uh, vote for the Player of the Week polls, as usual, at MiamiHerald.com. And uh, we have a few others in addition to Amir Ellis in, um, in Broward. Colton Heinrich for Cardinal Gibbons had 136 yards, caught two touchdown passes last week and a win over Stranahan. On the Dade side, Julius Pascal is one of the, one of the nominees and then, as we always do, we, we branch out a little bit beyond football. And uh, we have uh, Carola Rodriguez, who led Divine Savior to the regional finals in volleyball. She's one of the nominees. Emma Hancock won a regional title for St. Brendan this week. And, of course, 
the great Remy Bacardi, who keeps uh, tearing it up on the golf courses at Palmer Trinity, our reigning player of the year on the girls' side. She's up there, too. And so remember to vote. Player of the Week polls every week. We'll have them on MiamiHerald.com. And now, guys, for the for our weekly pick segment, we're going to look at three games this week as we wrap up the regular season. Again, a lot of the top contenders are off this week, resting up for the playoffs. But there's still a few games where teams are kind of fighting for, for seeding. The, you know, we know they're in, but they're kind of trying to get more comfortably in. And in Coconut Creek's case, uh, they're playing Palmetto down at Southridge on Thursday night. Palmetto firmly in the playoffs. Creek right now the seventh seed as of last week. So it wouldn't hurt for them to pull off a win like this. Who do you guys have? Right, let's start with David. Uh, I'll go with Palmetto in this one. Uh, Creek just both teams actually kind of a little inconsistent this year. That's how I would describe them. Creek has obviously had some really high highs, although I think their win against Western uh, probably less impressive than we thought at the time. Um, but I just think Palmetto um, has gotten better. I think as the year has gone on. Um, obviously, other than you know, lost to Norland a couple of weeks ago. I think their quarterback play has significantly improved. Um, and then I just think that the way you know Creek gets into some low-scoring games, and I think Palmetto is well suited to win a low-scoring game because um, of how good that defense is, and then the fact that Robbie Washington, the guy we mentioned earlier, can turn nothing into something and, and get you the points you need to win. Yeah, Jordan, what do you think of this one? Yeah, I'm you gonna, saw I Creek, think- didn't you? Uh, I have not seen Creek. I have seen, I haven't seen either of these teams this year, but just going off of track records, I'm going to lean toward Palmetto. Also the fact the home field advantage and with Creek having to make that long drive down to the Southridge, I think that could also play a factor for them, giving Palmetto a little bit of an edge there, just in terms of the shorter ride there. And I think Palmetto is better suited for, for the matchup. Yeah. I mean, to me, Creek's defense would have to play, lights out in this game to, to kind of handle, like like David was saying, to kind yeah. of handle the, the the talent level that they're going to see, you know, explosive playmakers like a Robbie Washington. I'm going to go with Palmetto, too. I don't think it's going to be a bad game. I think it's going to be pretty competitive because of Creek's defense. They might keep them in it for a little bit. But, yeah, I think one explosive player, too, and Palmetto's got this one for sure. Uh, let's go over to Broward now with two teams that have won their districts, but, again, they're kind of fighting for a seating to to be sort of in that in that top four in their respective classes, and that's – Plantation and Western. I'll start with Jordan because he saw Plantation last week. I know he's seen plenty of Western this year. Um, kind of where do you see this matchup going in? Yeah, this one's interesting. I've seen Western three times this year. Uh, their opening game against uh, Georgia's St. John's Creek, uh, against Her- American Heritage, and against Miramar. And outside of the first half against John's Creek, Western's offense has not really lived up to the hype against teams against teams that are going to be making the playoffs. They got shut out against Aquinas. They struggled They struggled often against uh, Heritage. They got shut out against Miramar. Plantation, the only game I, I saw them against Piper, obviously I see Western as a team that's a step, is definitely steps ahead of Piper. But I think Plantation's going to be able to pull this out. Their defense was really good last week from what I saw. And I think they're going to do just enough to – contain Colin Hurst in that offense and their offense between they have three or four good receivers who can make plays and their run game is pretty good as well. I think it's going to be close, but I think Plantation has the edge here over Western. David, you're probably going to be down there on, on Friday night from yeah. the looks of it. Uh, what do you think of this one? I'll go with Western with a lot of hesitation. Um, and, <laughs> and that is basically just like a, you know, these two teams seem very comparable on paper. Um, I'll, I think, Colin, you know, it's basically trust in, in Colin Hurst, who, as I mentioned, was our Broward player of the year last year and has not had his best season, um, at, you know, largely probably because this whole offense just seems to be a little out of sorts. Yeah. Um, but I'll I'll go with Western and be worried that I might get burned by it. You know what? I'm going to say it's the last week of the regular season. Plantation's been playing better football. I think Western on paper is the better team. I agree with you we guys. We've been waiting but... all year for them to, to be what we think thought yes. they were going to be. Yeah, yeah. and, and then when are they going to show it? I don't know. I think I'm, You know yeah. what? I'm, I'm picking Plantation. I think they'll all pull right. it off. I think, I think it's the last game of the season. That, that, you know, Maybe it'll happen, and, 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 and Western's got to prove that they're the Western we thought they might be in, in the preseason until proven otherwise. Oh, well. So I'm gonna, <laughs> we're going to go with that one. And then finally, last but not least, the Soul Bowl in Broward has a little more meaning this year, thanks to Ely 
you know, rejoining the living this year after going one and nine last year, eight and oh, can they cap an undefeated season or is Dillard too much for him? What do you think, David? Uh, Dillard's probably too much for them, but that shouldn't over like, I mean, this Blanchie turnaround has been incredible. Um, this Dillard team is just, you know, probably a, a step ahead right now. I mean, if Blanchie can sustain this over years and years, it will be awesome for Broward County football because, um, as I've mentioned a couple of times on the show, the, the, the gap between the private schools and the public schools there is so massive, um, with Dillard right now, kind of the one public school that is in that same sort of realm as the heritage and Gibbons and St. Thomas, obviously, and Chaminade. Um, but Blanche Lee, like we saw, obviously Deerfield was good for a long time. Western has been good for, for, you know, the last five years or so here. Um, but Deerfield a little down. If Blanche Lee can step up and, and step into that vacuum, that'll be great. But this Dillard team for now is, I, I think, just uh, a cut above. Jordan, what do you think of this one? Yeah, I'm going to echo David. I think Dillard wins this. But for me, the interesting thing is to see how competitive Ely yes. is against them. I wouldn't be yeah. surprised if this is a closer game. Than no, the, no, I think it's going to be because I, the rivalry aspect. I completely agree. I think it's going to be a close game. And the interesting for me is just the fact of where they're seated in the playoffs right now. They're in the same region. It, right, if I remember correctly, correct me if I'm wrong, Joy, but isn't Dillard 2 and Ely's 3 at this point at the end of this week? Yeah, right. This is this is probably the opening act of, of two because exactly you know, one's, yeah that's one's cool. going to be the, the two and the three and then more than likely they're going to dispatch gonna, their first yeah. round opponents and play each other round two so yeah so for me this is going to be yeah for me like you just said this is going to be act one I'm interested to see how close it is this week and then to see what happens when they if slash when they face each other in week two of the playoffs right. and see what adjustments get made in between now and then. Yeah, that's what we're going to find out, really, if, uh, what they're made of. But, yeah, I'm, I'm with you guys. I think Ely is on the right track. I think they're eventually they're going to get to the point where they can be more competitive in the region overall. But I think Diller just has a little too much talent. They have all those playmakers. And Christopher Johnson, again, kind of like we said about Robbie Washington in the mm-hmm. other game. I mean, he's, he's the playmaker that could win this game with one breaking one explosive play, something like that. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with the Panthers, at least in the, in the first clash between these two. And that'll do it for our pick segment. That'll do it for episode eight of Titletown South Florida. Episode eight already. We appreciate everybody that has become a fan of the show that continues to watch week in and week out. And if you're brand new to it, welcome. And we hope you enjoy it and continue to watch with us. We're going to come back to you next week with our playoff preview as we look ahead to the first round and beyond, maybe even make some uh, early early in the playoff state championship picks. And uh, we'll, we'll bring you all that, plus some highlights from the final week of the regular season. Uh, For David Wilson, for Jordan McPherson, I'm Andre Fernandez. Thanks for joining us again. We'll see you next week.